Hello, and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 172. I'm Kip Clark, and joining me in the studio today, we have a returning guest, Gabe Bryson Treesice. Thank you for having me back on your wonderful podcast. Well, I appreciate the kind words, and it's always a pleasure to speak with you. So today, we're going to be looking at the phrase, honesty is the best policy, and specifically this phrase, because I think it has a certain cultural value attached to it that I don't know we always attach to honesty itself. And as an opening question, I'd really love to know why you think this phrase is so ubiquitous. I think this phrase is so common because it's simple to understand and to act upon. We as a society impart to our young people certain values that we think will help them grow into kind, responsible citizens. And I think it's easier to do that when we have such straightforward idioms like honesty is the best policy. That phrase leaves no gray area. It says to children and to anybody else who may be listening that you ought to be honest in all circumstances that to do otherwise would be to deviate from the norm because I think the phrase honesty is the best policy has a moral value to it. To be dishonest is to be immoral. So I would be very curious, Kip, to hear your thoughts on the implications of the phrase and what you think it says about folks who, for whatever reason, act dishonestly. Well, as someone who is enamored of words and thinks a lot about the implications, as you said, of the words we use and why we favor certain words or phrases more than others, I am intrigued by the wording of this classic saying. I think the word best is intriguing to me because no one's saying that honesty is the only policy by which we may interact with others. The word best, of course, is a value judgment, but there are other ways in which you can treat people respectfully. No one ever says respect is the best policy or compassion is the best policy. And so I think it says a lot about us as a culture, and maybe this is Western or American, I'm not entirely sure from whence the phrase originated, but that we chose honesty to fill that role. And in my interpretation, it's because honesty can help create a more straightforward world. And I think that's one of the reasons that people continue to lie, because we might on paper prefer a more straightforward world, but honesty can be painful. There's often the pairing of words of brutal honesty, and so people expect honesty to be almost weaponized and very blunt and painful to receive. And I think that's largely because we have not necessarily strengthened ourselves. I think if you spend, let's say, a decade of your life expecting and receiving tremendous criticism from other people, gradually, at least I imagine, you begin to acclimate to it. And so maybe other people are being honest in a negative context, but you begin to familiarize yourself with how to grapple with honesty. And in my perception, we are all so self-conscious, I think naturally so, and live in a culture that I don't think does much to help us grow out of those self-conscious feelings, that honesty sounds like a beautiful ideal, but many of us still have fear of rejection and fears of various other uncomfortable social contact that can be precipitated by honesty. And I think that's part of the difficulty, that life can be very challenging. For example, someone trying to get a job, honesty for them might look like a very blunt statement that they need employment, and we don't always want to talk about those needs and transactions in our social interactions, so people don't say the honest thing there. 
or in the classic scenario of a romantic partnership where one partner asks of another how a certain outfit looks or what their opinion was of a certain event or perhaps a mutual friend. And it's in those circumstances where you can see how difficult it truly is to be honest. So in returning to the lingual implications of honesty is the best policy, I think it's almost intentionally placed out of the reach of most typical social interactions in being labeled the best policy, that it is something we can aspire towards, but perhaps do not truly expect of our society that we will employ that policy, but that we might all, in an unspoken way perhaps, acknowledge that it is an ideal worth striving for, and if possible, one worth living by. Yeah, I think you're getting at the notion that honesty is, while perhaps a worthy goal toward which to strive, an unrealistic standard for most people to live their daily lives by. I'm reminded of a comment by the author of one of the articles you sent me, Karen Ann Kennedy, writing in the Huffington Post, characterizes honesty not as a policy, but as a value to be weighed against other values, such as compassion and kindness. And I think so far in this episode, we've both referred to honesty as a value. I think it's sort of strange to call it a policy because that sets it apart from all of the other traits that we employ in our day-to-day interactions with other people. I try to be kind to everybody I meet, but I wouldn't say that I practice a policy of kindness because indeed that gives my attempts to be kind a sort of transactional feeling, which is not what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to guide the way I interact with other people, and I think honesty does the same thing. It builds up interpersonal trust. It allows you to develop the kind of deep and meaningful connections that give our lives purpose. And if I may make a quick interjection, I would actually argue, at least again, coming from my own experience, that honesty actually emerges out of relationships in which I have cultivated trust with another individual. And I'd love to know what you think about that, because I think it turns what you just said somewhat on its head. I think that's a good point, Kip. Oftentimes, we're more comfortable being fully honest with people with whom we've already developed a kind of rapport. If I'm secure in the knowledge that you won't judge me for telling you the truth, even if that truth may reflect badly on me, then I'm more likely to be fully honest with you. I think that's a great point, because the saying, honesty is the best policy, is pretty rigid. It suggests that in all circumstances, honesty is the best policy. But if you think about it, there are certainly times when you're more comfortable being honest. And that speaks to a broader idea that I want to bring up, which is that honesty as a rule is a good rule to try to follow, but like any, has its exceptions. And one of the classic exceptions to the honesty rule is your grandmother gives you an ugly sweater for Christmas. Of course, you love your grandmother and you want to convey to her your genuine appreciation for her having thought of you and gotten you this sweater or knitted it for you. And so you act as if you're really thrilled and that you love the design of the sweater, when in reality, you probably won't wear it out in public because you're not a huge fan of it. But I challenge you, the listener, to note in your daily life instances in which you fib in order to please someone you love, someone you respect. And this is why Kennedy's point that honesty is a value best weighed against other values, such as compassion and kindness, 
is so powerful. Because indeed, if we take this saying, honesty is the best policy, to its extreme, we're very likely to end up hurting people we love. And it would seem silly to advocate that, especially to our children, if we think of honesty is the best policy as a sort of simplistic rule that we impart to our children so that they'll grow up to be moral people. We would do well, I think, to tell them that there are exceptions to this rule. Maybe not when they're in kindergarten, but as they grow up, I think we have a duty to explain the nuance of this saying, and that sometimes, under certain limited circumstances, it's acceptable and even preferable to tell lies in order not to hurt the people we love. And I really like your point about explaining the nuance of this rather black and white moral guide that we've largely adopted as a society, because there is a need to teach somewhat simply so that children, young people, etc., can grasp the underlying wisdom of an idea or saying. And I personally believe that children are far more capable than we often give them credit for. And I do think were we to explain the gray area of how valuable honesty is in a conditional sense, they might appreciate it. But of course, as a society, at least in my observation, we don't often engage in uncomfortable or complicated discussions of morality. And so I wonder if, to some extent, the staying power of this phrase is a result of a society that does not complicate that mixture of moral guides and sayings that tend to give us a sense of how to treat one another with respect. And I like your point about being observant in every situation and thinking, is it going to hurt people I love or people I know that I respect if I am unconditionally honest with them in this circumstance? Because I do think that's often the case. And I've often thought a lot about honesty because it has been one of my grounding principles. And it has admittedly gotten me into trouble in the past where I've been too honest trying to communicate openly with others and I have inadvertently hurt them. And in the past, when I've thought about why honesty is so valuable to me, and not necessarily the phrase honesty is the best policy, although I do think there have been times in my life where I've unconditionally sworn by that idea, because to me, information represents an ability or a form of power. And if I'm honest with someone else, I am in a sense sharing certain power or even turning it over altogether to their discretion so they can choose how to respond to that information. If I say, you know what, I actually didn't really enjoy that gift, I'm putting my cards on the table so they know how I feel, so that they feel as though they can navigate with as much information as possible to make an informed decision given my response. Whereas if I told them that I did enjoy the gift, I've always wondered if their following response should even be considered legitimate because the framework I've given in being dishonest in that moment doesn't give them a truth on which they can build. But perhaps that's unnecessarily overthought for a typical social interaction, and I concede that. So you mentioned that there are times when you felt you were overly honest with people because you believe so strongly in honesty and in interacting honestly with others. But I'm wondering if you have any specific examples to illuminate this notion that one can take being honest too far. Yeah, actually to get very personal in a way that I don't know everyone's going to want to hear, but in one of my earliest romantic relationships, which I ended after a few months of dating this individual, I told them that I just wasn't romantically attracted to them, which at the time was true, that I think I had misjudged my feelings and that I had misread certain signs in myself and in interacting with that person that 
I did enjoy their company, but at least in that moment, I didn't feel as though it was a romantic connection. And I remember their reaction, understandably so, at least in my interpretation, was angry and and hurt in the moment, which is a feeling for which I don't begrudge them because it makes complete sense if someone said what I said. But I've been very intrigued when I've told close friends that story and have elaborated a bit more than I intend to on a podcast. I've received a wide array of responses from people saying, Kip, I can't believe you would say that to someone. And I remember thinking, yeah, you know, I don't know really what I was thinking in the moment except that I was trying to be upfront. But I can absolutely see what that would feel like to hear in a breakup conversation with someone. And there is, of course, a larger context that goes with what I said. But then there have been other people who shrug and say, well, Kip, you were just telling her the truth. I don't see that that's so terrible. But it is very interesting, and I've since gone back in my mind and thought there's perhaps an easier way to communicate what I communicated, and maybe it wasn't for the best, but then I've also gone back in my mind and thought that as painful as that breakup was, largely for the other person and indeed somewhat for myself, I do feel somewhat justified in having said that, not so much in the short term, but years down the line if that individual is looking back on the relationship and wondering why didn't it work out, well, I presented the answer. I gave as much information as I had in the moment, and so they don't need to lose sleep down the road should they choose to think back on this relationship, and I don't presume that it's going to take up any major amount of time for them. But to me, honesty, as painful as it can be, and as socially tone-deaf as admittedly it makes people like me at times, absolutely, I do think it can simplify our understanding of situations, and in some cases, cut right to the truth, even if, of course, it's not one we want to hear. But Is that a helpful example, and do you have any thoughts based on hearing that? Well, I appreciate you sharing that, Kip. It did make me wonder if you regretted having been so honest, or if you think that there's enough redemptive value in that kind of naked honesty for it to be worth the pain it may cause. I think that's a really good question, and in the immediate aftermath, I do think I regretted it because a number of voices that first chimed in were the critical ones, saying, Kip, I can't believe you said that to someone, and I trusted those people, and they were able to reach me on a very emotionally sensitive level, which surprisingly had not been present when I said those very honest words to that person. But having since interacted with that individual a bit, we have had largely open conversations. And a part of me would like to believe that it is because, at least from my end, I showed that that's the type of communication that I value. And it's not that I think I taught her how to be honest or that I in any way gave her anything except, of course, my honest opinion. But I do think down the line, that honesty may have paved the way, so to speak, for honesty from both sides in being acquaintances or friends in the future. And also, for as painful as it was, for that individual to hear, and as painful retroactively as it was for me to reconsider, I don't regret it because I learned a lesson that I think there are ways to communicate differently, and also perhaps partners of whom I might have a better reading that might prefer honesty like that, however painful it might be. And I think the key is, again, in contrast to this phrase, honesty is the best policy, which I think is very unconditional, The lesson I take away from that memory is to be much more aware of what relationships I can and cannot exhibit a more honest side of myself. But in turning it away from the more personal or anecdotal, I'd really love to know what you think about honesty is the best policy as applied to certain societal structures. 
As an example, I'd really love to know what you think about the way we apply or demand honesty from public figures such as politicians or celebrities in the world of entertainment or music, etc. Well, your question reminds me of something that Rabbi Joseph Telushkin said in a video that you sent me to consider in advance of recording this conversation. He said, the fact that something is true doesn't mean that it is necessarily anybody else's concern. And I think this is an effective refutation of the saying, honesty is the best policy, because most of us have details about our past that we don't want to share with other people. Yet many of us also harbor the utmost interest in knowing the complete histories of our peers. We want to know about their dirty laundry. And I think this is plainly hypocritical, but I think it's also part of our nature. We're curious creatures. We want to know about other people. And as you mentioned, we have a particular fascination or obsession even with celebrities and with politicians. I think in the realm of politics, our interest is more legitimate. These are folks who are making decisions that affect all of us, who are writing the laws that govern the way we are allowed to live. And so, certainly, it makes sense to want to know, does my congressperson hold stock in this company to whom he's giving a contract? It makes sense, and I think it's important to know about those potential conflicts of interest. Another thing that comes to mind is folks working in the intelligence community, agents of the FBI, the CIA, if they're doing undercover work or if they're working on classified programs, the success of their work depends on their being able to do that work in private, out of the public eye. And I think when it comes to keeping the rest of us safe, some degree of secrecy is vital. Now, this is straying perhaps a little bit from our initial conversation topic, honesty is the best policy, but I think these covert programs embody a kind of dishonesty. They're significant programs taking place without the knowledge of the general public. And so I'd ask you, Kip, for your thoughts on the connection between those sorts of secret programs and the idea of honesty. Do you think they reflect a certain kind of dishonesty, or do you think that's the wrong way to think about it? Well, I definitely think it has a relevance in this conversation. And of course, you and I, in a previous episode of this podcast, have talked a bit about Edward Snowden. And so, of course, intelligence agencies, secrecy, and honesty have been a topic of conversation of sorts for you and I before. And I would say that what I think offends people most is that in certain cases of dishonesty, the truth eventually comes out. And I think it's less so what was being hidden from us that offends people, and more so the fact that we were not kept in the loop and informed that I think bothers people. Because as you said, we are curious creatures, we like to be updated. And as I said earlier, and still believe, honesty and information convey a certain form of power or influence. And when you have that information, you're capable of making informed decisions. And I think people very understandably don't feel comfortable knowing that information about them or surrounding them has been used to make decisions in which they had no part. And it then leads me to think that if honesty is a good policy to have, is it at all contingent on timing? And my thought there is absolutely that if I want to know about something terrible, let's say that someone has done either to me or to people I love or spaces that I enjoy, it's certainly better to hear that truth eventually and learn why certain property was damaged or why a certain person I know is upset 
But if I hear that far after the fact and when perhaps I can no longer do anything with that information, then to me, it's almost the same as dishonesty because I was not given the opportunity to act with the truth that honesty could convey. And I think there's also the idea that people sometimes say what so-and-so doesn't know won't hurt them, but if the truth eventually comes out, I think it absolutely will. There are a lot of things that people may not know about that if they concern them even indirectly, might have some, however potentially small, effect on their life. And so to that extent, I think that honesty is very important in a lot of situations, and in other professional situations, perhaps not as much so. I think with celebrities, we often demand honesty, and so to me, that's more a form of truthfulness, that we want them to tell us the truth, where I think honesty is a much more voluntary procedure in which someone trusts you enough to share that information. And for that reason, I don't think you can ever demand honesty of someone, because that is, in a sense, demanding a relationship of trust. And that's not how relationships work, and that's also not how trust, a very gradually built social phenomenon, operates. But I think about professions like journalism, or law enforcement, or anything in the medical or psychiatric fields, and to me, honesty is crucial there, because the citizens that those professions serve rely heavily on that information, and I think it can radically affect the outcomes of their days, weeks, and lives. And so I think it's important, in a professional sense, often to be honest. But then, in a topic I would love your thoughts on, there are forms of dishonesty that are not necessarily verbal. I think a lot about Photoshop and photo manipulation, and even perhaps to an extent, computer-generated imagery in films, where we know it's fictitious and depicts some fantastical or alternative reality, but we suspend our disbelief to enjoy that medium. Primarily, I'm thinking about models who might be photoshopped, and I think that is a form of dishonesty and often one that readers may not be able to pick up on. Socially, we can detect honesty in a much more palpable way than visually we as human beings, as often very visually oriented creatures, I think, can detect what is or is not fake, especially in a highly technological world where people's technical capabilities in the 21st century allow for some very believable illusions. I think you hit on a lot of important points there, Kip, including the fact that access to information is a source of power. But it can also be a burden. In Snowden's case, for example, he was working on classified projects that he couldn't share with anybody without the proper security clearance. This included his longtime girlfriend, Lindsay Mills. And in the 2016 film adaptation, Snowden, the director Oliver Stone used this to create a really dramatic scene in which Snowden and Mills, played respectively by Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Shailene Woodley, get into this shouting match in their Tokyo apartment building. Because, at least this is how I interpreted it, Snowden had all this pent-up frustration about these programs he thought were illegal. Programs that allowed the NSA to surveil American citizens without warrants. And because he was aware of these programs but unable to talk about them with anyone but his co-workers, who all seemed to think they were fine, that there wasn't any problem with the work they were doing. Snowden's mental health deteriorated. Now, I don't know how true to life the movie was, but I think when you're given information of such import and you're unable to share it, you are legally disallowed to be honest. It can be a great burden. And that makes me think of honesty as a policy worth practicing for its own sake. I think being dishonest or withholding information that's clearly weighing on your mind 
can take a great toll on your mental health. One of the authors whose articles you sent me pointed out that being dishonest requires you to remember to whom you are dishonest, and when, and how exactly you skewed the truth. Because if you're dishonest, you have to remember the details of your lies, or else you'll be caught. And I don't think anybody who acts dishonestly intends to be caught. So what if we were to think of honesty like we think about eating one's vegetables? It's good for you. Obviously, it helps your relationships with others, at least most of the time. I think one of the reasons the saying, honesty is the best policy, has had such staying power is because, for the most part, it benefits one's relationships with others to be honest with them. Think about if everyone were dishonest with everybody else all of the time. We would have a totally anarchic society, one that would be very unpleasant to live in. Honesty clearly has some value. I think the more relevant question is, when, if at all, is it better to be dishonest? And how far can you take dishonesty before it becomes immoral? You brought up the issue of visual manipulation, which I think is fascinating. Visual dishonesty is a tradition that has a storied, if notorious, history. I think back to the Stalin era in the Soviet Union, when the government would use visual manipulation to remove purged officials from official photographs. In essence, rewriting history. The example you gave, I think, is less severe, but certainly as, if not more, common. The example of magazines using Photoshop to alter the appearance of their models. And I think it's well documented the effects that this has had on young girls, for example, who think that because the models in the magazines they read have these ultra-slim waistlines, they need to as well. And so while the folks who engage in this visual manipulation may not think about the broader ramifications that their work may have, I think that work can be insidious because it is, as you rightly point out, a form of visual dishonesty. I appreciate being able to have had this conversation with you, Kip, because I think we've established that honesty is a complex issue, and both honesty and dishonesty can take many forms. I agree, and I'm also grateful to have had the opportunity. As I've thought about it more in speaking with you, I still feel that honesty is not necessarily the best policy, but I might amend it and say that the best policy is one which lays the foundation for honesty to emerge, or makes it possible for honesty to emerge. And I think if you have an environment, I suppose I'm imagining most vividly, a relationship with another person in which you can be honest at appropriate times, but you don't necessarily need to be 100% of the time, I think that most often finds a proper balance between comfort and truth, between what feels socially satisfactory and informationally truthful. And I think that that is something that should be negotiated in all of our relationships. But I would say, as a final point of discussion, that while I don't think honesty is the best policy, I think that's largely the case in interpersonal relationships. And in one's relationship with themselves, I do think honesty is the best policy, or at least very close to it. Because while you don't owe anyone else information about your personal life, your personal thoughts, I do think a lot of complexities and unnecessary emotional difficulties emerge when we don't tell ourselves the truth, when we don't admit when we've been wrong, or when we don't understand something, or when we're feeling scared or upset or any other emotion. And I do think at the risk of making all of our emotions and relationships with the world that much more vivid, I think we as people tend to subdue a lot of our feelings and deny 
a lot of our perceptions of reality. And again, it comes down to a comfort level, and I won't claim to be 100% honest with myself, but I have noticed that in certain moments of honesty, even when it's shameful to a degree, retrospectively, I'm proud that I found whatever amount of fortitude to be honest with myself. And I think ultimately it leads to growth. It leads to stronger people who are more capable of articulating themselves and also better at empathizing with other people because they remember what those feelings were like and can detect them in other individuals. I think that's a productive way of looking at honesty as one of many tools in our self-care toolkit. We have to be sure, for our own sake, that we're not ignoring the truth simply because it's too hard for us to stomach. We have to be conscious of our relationship with the truth. Sometimes we may be tempted to ignore uncomfortable facts simply because they may feel too difficult to stomach. Sometimes I think facing the truth is a reasonable defense mechanism. Sometimes it's legitimately too hard for us to accept certain feelings, certain events happening in our lives. The folks who've developed and refined the five stages of grief certainly had this in mind. We have a very complex way of processing feelings, and I think you make the wise point that in the long run, it's better for us to be honest with ourselves because it'll hasten that recovery process. It'll enable us to get ahead socially, professionally. Just like putting up that fence in your yard may be unappealing. Coming to terms with the truth, and I realize I'm using the truth and honesty sort of interchangeably here, but coming to terms with the truth will serve us better than ignoring it or explaining it away. I think that was very well said. And I'd really like to know before we conclude this episode, what would you like the audience to think about after listening to this discussion? I'd like you to think about ways in which you've been dishonest with yourself. I think only the youngest people fresh out of the womb can reasonably say, if they could speak, that they haven't been dishonest with themselves. I think it's a natural tendency to be dishonest under certain circumstances because it can make life easier. And we're constantly looking for ways to make our lives easier. But I think sometimes we make the unconscious decision to be dishonest, even when upon deeper reflection we would realize that it's better to be honest. My final recommendation to you as you go back out into the world is to be self-reflective. Realize when you are telling a lie and make sure that you think it's worth it, not for some selfish reason. I'm not urging you to go steal a candy bar from a store and then lie about it afterward. What I am urging you to realize is that it may not be productive to think of honesty as this binary which we're taught it is. It may be more productive for you to think of it as a valuable rule to which there are compelling exceptions. I would also urge the audience to think about, in a very self-reflective way, as you would just mentioned, Gabe, what their personal exceptions are to this rule that I think many of us often ascribe to. I would also love to know what the audience thinks about the timing of honesty and when we choose to be or choose not to be honest with the people around us and perhaps with ourselves. Are there values like gratitude and appreciation that you would cherish above honesty? I'd really love to know. And finally, although it may be a bit personal for some people, moments in which honesty compromised a sense of comfort for you, in which you chose to be honest and perhaps it didn't go the way you planned, 
I suspect it constitutes some very interesting stories, and I personally would love to hear them, even if anonymously so. And Gabe, I'd like to thank you very much for coming on and speaking very candidly about this today. It was a pleasure. Pleasure's all mine, Kip. Well, I'm happy to hear it. But as always, we want this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between. So if you have any thoughts, opinions, or feedback of any kind, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter or on Facebook. You can also email us via strideandsaunter at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to the show, as well as supporting us on Patreon, where you'll receive perks like bonus episodes in exchange for your support. And as always, we thank you very much for listening, and from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark, signing off.